Oh no, you're breaking up. We're breaking up, breaking up. <laughs> Am I you getting the crackly uh, sound? Yeah, either that or I got shitty. He- my headphones seem to be getting b- bad. Either that or I'm losing my hearing. What? What? Yeah, very funny. <laughs> Avengers Spotlight! thing about calling is hanging up <laughs> when the for the moment when the call is first ringing the my the pig face comes on my screen love the pig face i get to see the pig face all the time i know i consider you a lucky man <laughs> Ooh, what a lucky man he was um no more perez or perez so sad yeah because we've got it's a i mean but this cover would fool you because this cover looks like a Perez cover, but it's Dave Cockrum. Uh, I, you know what? It's funny because I thought it was Perez, and I was. I did too. And my, and my comment was going to be Thor's face looks like a Dave Cockrum drawing. <laughs> but yeah, Cockrum and Austin, I say. Yeah, that's where I can see the most distinct lack of Perez is in Thor's, Thor's face. Yeah, yeah, definitely lack of Perez. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, okay. Wait a minute. Which what? What is this? Say, what is this? Say, you want it all, but you can't have The hell is that? That's uh, Faith No More. Is that, uh, what you call it, uh, Guns N' Roses? <laughs> that but sounded like your Axl Rose. It was the, no, my Axl Rose would be, um, you, okay, I guess that is my Axl Rose. <laughs> Never mind. I rest my case. I used to love her, Ooh, yeah, but I had to kill her. That sounds that sounds like your Frankie Valley. <laughs> Big girls don't cry. Big girls, they are cry. You know, I kind of liked when when we did the songs and you would just do them in Arnold's voice. <laughs> Like, like, the one that always stands out to me in my mind is when, when, when Arnold sang Bridge Over Troubled Water that time. And oddly enough, I had a better, I was able to heat, hit those notes better as Arnold, probably because I'm in a lower register. Big girls don't cry. Big girls, they don't cry. I, I, they don't cry. <laughs> you see my face while I'm doing this. I'm distorting my neck. I think I pull a muscle in my neck doing that. They don't cry. Big squirrels don't cry. All right. <laughs> we I almost don't don't know what to say. For once, you're speechless. For once? I was speechless once. on Friday night when I started to doze off during the review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, you want to bring us in? 
Oh yeah, yeah. And thank you once again for putting in a nice. Uh, what did you got? Like you, you just pull out of your patented Doctor Bill taglines. Ah, oh, my spine. I didn't even remember saying that. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I got to stretch. Ah, oh, my spine. That's yeah. That's that's one of the ones I have. I have like a folder full of Doctor Bill comments. That if nothing good comes up from the episode to put at the end, I just randomly throw one of them at. I mean, it's pretty bad when my own things crack me up. <laughs> See, unlike Andy Leyland, I listen to the shows I'm on because I am a narcissistic bastard. <laughs> yep. All right. <clears throat> Ooh, let me take a sip of water. <clears throat> I have to wet the palate. Put that. And it's just not as satisfying drinking water as it is Diet Mountain Dew. Damn Can't depressing. argue with that. Nothing quite like that piss warm Mountain Dew feeling. I heard dogs barking in the distance. Yeah, there are dogs barking in the distance. Anyway, because <laughs> I'm so easily distracted. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Avengers Spotlight number 18, The Korvac Saga, part Ocho. Or Infinity if it's turned on its side. Ooh. It's like like Schoolhouse Rock right here for you. So if you can skate, you can skate a figure eight. <laughs> well, you knew exactly what I was talking about. Exactly, yes. Oh, I, I remember all those. Those those are great. I we uh when the when the kids were young, uh, we bought a I got a DVD of people that did covers, not not a DVD, a CD of people that did covers of the songs like prominent artists at, at the time. And then this was like, would be back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And then we got all of schoolhouse rock either on videotape or on DVD. So we were watching them, you know, we just watched them, you know, over and over. I remember when my, my daughter was in the girl scouts, I took her to a show where they did schoolhouse rock live. They had like, you know, it was done like as a play. Mm-hmm. They did all the songs from that. Electricity, electricity, Powerful, so watch that stuff. I'm thinking to charge electricity. Sorry. Much Verb, better. that's what's happening. Much better as done by Arnold. Verb, that's what's happening. Give me a noun. I would I'm it. just a beer. Yes, I'm only a beer. <laughs> well, it's a long, long way as a city get committee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So someday I'll be a law, and the governor will sign me. But today I am still just a bill. So just a bill. I've missed Avengers Spotlight for the last whatever six weeks. Oh, let's see. The last one we put out was September nineteenth. So it's been at least a month since we've recorded one, and this won't be out. So yeah. So you're right. It'll be by the time this comes out, it'll be at least six weeks, six or eight, six to eight weeks since we've done one. And if, we, and if you factor in that it came out, it was posted on September 18th, that means it was recorded earlier than that, so it's probably oh yeah, probably six weeks since we recorded it, and it'll be six weeks between airings. Mm. Okay. I've missed out on the Avengers Spotlight. I, I enjoy when we do theme episodes and theme months, but sometimes it's, you know, well, I mean, I guess technically Avengers Spotlight is effectively a theme episode. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I was tired uh, after after this theme month, it seems like we did we packed a lot. We got some really long episodes. Yeah, we we did pack a lot in, and then I guess that's part of a byproduct of having guest hosts on 
for most of them. I think there was only one episode where we didn't have where it was just me, you, and Scott. I think yeah, the very think first was, one. Right, that was the werewolf one. And then all of the ones after that had. I think Gene was on all of them, and Luke was on all but one. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's it's as much of a pleasure as it is having them on, and it is. It becomes more difficult when you're dealing now with five people on the show, and you're trying to juggle five schedules. Yeah, so and, we had to pack in some shows like in rapid succession. Yeah, and then you so, ta- top it off with the fact that we were, you know, generally doing at least four books an episode. So there's more, more, a little bit more prep time, a little bit more to be prepared for, a little bit more work in the review because we're trying to juggle all the voices, a lot of editing to do. Although you wouldn't know anything about that. Huh? Why? Huh? <laughs> so I, I, I just hope people listening enjoyed it because, you know, for what it was, it was a lot of work. Bravo, bravo to you, sir. Ah, bravo to all of us. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to take all of it. I mean, well, you were the editor, so you know. Yeah, I do the editing, but everything else was pretty much evenly distributed as far as figuring out the schedules, reading the books, prepping them, getting ready to go, falling asleep during the recording. Or or not prepping a book. Or coming close to falling asleep, but not quite. <laughs> it's, that's no. also the byproduct of working late hours to do it. Yeah, yeah, but now we got a nice, nice, easy show. Just one book, some chit-chat, probably throw in an email. We got one email. Yeah, yes, we do. But I, I see we're man, we're stocking back up again on the uh, on the back to the bins email. Well, maybe next episode we'll get to those, or at least you know I, I think sometimes when you know we rush to do the email episodes, which are fun. I know some people don't want to listen to them because they don't want to listen unless there's a book covered. But uh, I mean, usually usually we get some good laughs in the email episodes, so mm-hmm. I think I think they are worth listening to. On the other hand, maybe we should just kind of, you know, if we have six emails, maybe we should just do three of them and save three till next time because sometimes we have no email. This is uh, true. Yeah. I know that's what, like, Andy Leyland would do. You know, if he had too many emails, he would just read a few of them and save some for later. Yeah, because he, he always likes to have a full sack. And that's generally what we do on Listen to the Prophets. We don't, you know, we don't necessarily empty out our full sack. Listen to the Prophets. They'll be waiting for you. We do have, we do have, uh, I don't know if I have access to them right now, but we do have some iTunes reviews. You know, I think I saw that, um, yeah, you're right. I, I totally forgot about that. And I love iTunes reviews, so I, 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 we should give them some, uh, we'll look them up. Give them a little bit of love. Why don't you read the email while I open up iTunes to see if I can get at the reviews? Okay. Well, let me hop right in. And we have one Avengers spotlight related email and that comes from our buddy Jason Sandberg and it is entitled feedback on Avengers spotlight number 16 dear binsters of course my eyesight's going and I almost thought that's a dear blisters no it was good to hear Scott on an Avengers episode again the movie talk during the first half of the show was a bonus oh yeah that would be the Ant-Man uh re- right that would be the Ant-Man review Yes. Am I correct in my assumption? That you are correct, sir. No, wait a minute. 16? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's right, because he was not on the Ant-Man review, so he gave his uh, spiel on that. That's right. Okay. Oh, and then we went off on all sorts of topics. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have an idea th- I have an idea to throw out regarding the Robert Downey Jr. age question. The Iron Man suit does the heavy lifting, Tony Stark provides the spark and spirit, so age shouldn't matter. When he does want to step down, I think Tony should pass the armor along to Harley, that kid in Iron Man 3. Hmm. Yeah. He did. yeah. Uh, Harley helped Tony when he was at his most vulnerable. Hold on. Hold on. I right. hear you grumbled already. And when they parted ways, Tony gave Harley's workshop an overhaul. 
In some years, the Harley character can be in his late teens working as an intern at Stark Industries. Tony would view him as a trustworthy assistant slash apprentice and eventual successor in the role of Iron Man. What do you guys think? Have a great night, Jason Sandberg. All right, go ahead. <sighs> uh, I don't think from a from a realistic point of view that that's a terrible idea or a bad idea. But from a fantasy world point of view, I don't want my characters aging into middle age. I don't want Tony Stark to ever be middle aged, even though he, even though Robert Downey Jr. is now middle aged. Uh, I, I look at them as similar to the way they are presented in the comic books or from a cinematic point of view, the way that, like, say, James Bond is presented. James Bond is eternally going to be in his mid-30s. That's just, you know, the way the way it is. And and when when he when, you know when he when the actor ages out of the part, they replace him with a, a new actor, presumably younger, even though Roger Moore was slightly older than Sean Connery. Mm. Uh, I, I just really? I, 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 I don't necessarily want there to be an old Tony Stark and then a legacy character. I I, I want Tony Stark to always be Iron Man. And from that way of looking at it, if you're going to have a cinematic universe with crossovers and whatever, either you're going to have to replace him if you're going to go with my theory, kind of the way they, they took Don Cheadle and put him into the roadie character and just replace him seamlessly and say, you know, this guy's playing the part now. Mm-hmm. Or temporarily put the character on a shelf, keep going with other movies, and then eventually reintroduce him. And by reintroduce, I don't mean, I don't mean start it all over again and reboot the character. I mean, just pick it up with a new actor later on when the recasting won't be so, so, uh, um, so shocking. Yeah, that's that's my preference. Now, you know, generally uh, Marvel doesn't ask me my preferences. On the other hand, they've done a lot of things that have fit my preferences so far. So <laughs> who knows? I don't know what the people, you know, what, what the movie viewing audience on a whole thinks. But I got to think that mine is not the minority view. I think most people want Tony Stark to be Iron Man. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, he could always, well, you've got War Machine. I'm trying to think. Because uh, if, if they did make him a let's say they brought the kid in then i wonder if a lot of people would would um well marvel fans would probably kind of go oh well this is like you know when they did the crossing when they had the teenage tony tony stark is that what they're trying to do i don't know if there would be that type of comparison but there probably wouldn't be in the general public because they probably haven't read that whole uh that whole you know that that storyline before they completely completely rebooted the Avengers and Iron Man and and the Fantastic Four before um, they went off in their own pocket universe for a year. So um, I don't know. Maybe he could still give him his own type of suit or or give him make him some other character. Um, maybe you know what? Maybe um, if they decide to do a spinoff of like the Young Avengers or the New New Warriors, he could be a viable character as a teenager. I didn't find his character to be so compelling in the movie that I feel the need to continue with him, honestly. Well, but they've planted a seed that they could use if they wanted to do something in the yeah, future. They could but I, but I think Tony character. Stark should be Iron Man. That's, mm. you know, it's, I assume that kid is not going to appear in uh, Civil War, which Tony Stark's going to be in. And he wasn't in Age of Ultron. So it's not like, you know, you know we've, we've brought this character along. We, we could very easily just kind of leave him in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, like like I said, for me personally, I, it's not that I found him to be such a, a an important character that he has to be revisited. But you know, teach their own. Like I said, people might think differently. Jason seems to uh, 
have taken a, a shine to him, which is fine. He's taking a shine. He's like a shoe shine. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think, Dr. Bill? You're, you're fielding my opinion, but you're not really giving your own. Well, I... I thought, what, as having the boy be... Yeah, well, what do you think, what do you think they should do with the future of, say, Tony Stark as as Robert Downey Jr. starts to get to be, say, in his late 50s, which by the time they film, finish filming uh, what they've got on the slate now, he probably is going to be. I'm thinking after, I mean... You think with what we saw in Age of Ultron, they might be looking to plan Tony Stark's exit, that he wants to do something... Like, okay, like he almost uh, had a big exit at the end of the first Avengers movie to where he was going to sacrifice himself throwing the bomb up up into the space rift. So might we see something along the lines at the end of Infinity Wars and then maybe the character disappears and comes like like maybe you could have your cake and eat it, too. And I could have have mine in that. As long as we're getting cake, I'm good. Okay, good. Well, because I'm wondering if maybe we will see Stark killed and then either maybe he does come back as a younger person or maybe he'll have some failsafe thing set in place and maybe this kid does become the new Iron Man. I don't know. I mean, if they could explain it. But but yeah, it would be great to see Tony Stark as Iron Man. But uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, because that's analysis for you. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Robert Downey has really made that part his own because so much so that they've changed Iron Man in the books to that now to reflect somewhat more of Robert Downey Jr. Jr. than the way Iron Man <laughs> Jr. Robert Downey, oh, little Junie, come sit on my knee. Ah, ah, get that armor off my leg. It hurts. But... Uh, I when 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 they change it to reflect it in the comics, I, I take that as meaning nothing because comics are so freaking wishy washy with that mm. that it, it's actually it actually bothers me more when they change it than. All right, so name me some actors who, who could who do you think could replace and be a new Tony Stark? Have we discussed this in the past? No, we haven't, and I, I honestly don't have anybody in mind right now. But my, my, like I said, my thought process would be to finish the arcs that you have planned because he's supposed to be there through the Infinity War. Right. You might even have him suffer some sort of faux death at the end of the Infinity War, sacrificing himself, uh, you know, bravely, and, and you know, the, you think he's gone at that point. And then you could go with some other movies, maybe even go with a couple of Avengers movies without him, and then revive the character with a different actor playing him. And it turns out, you know, he was never dead at all. He was off in limbo or something. Well, you know, there was when they rebooted uh, the numerous times they've rebooted the Avengers. There was an old Tony Stark that came back. In the suit, and they could maybe t- maybe he has a faux death at the end of Infinity War, comes back after a movie or two, and he's old, and then at that point he passes on the armor to somebody else or finds some well, that, way that to. That goes to kind of what Jason was saying, and, and you know, my point is, I, I really don't want him to pass the armor on, off. I just want Tony Stark to to for movie purposes always be somewhere between thirty and forty years old, and when when. Robert Downey Jr. is too old to portray that. Even, you know, he's already uh, whatever twelve years older than that. Uh, then, then you get a new actor to play the part. That's that's my way of looking at it. I, I don't I don't want the character to go away. Hmm. That's that's the point I'm making. I don't know if I was saying that clearly enough earlier. No, no, I I see what you're saying. Um, 
you know, but, but Jason is, is kind of going with the more realistic, okay, you know, this number of years have gone by, he's older and he's passing on the armor, and now we're going to have a new Iron Man. I, I, don't, I don't want to turn it into legacy characters. But See, I, I could see, um, I'm trying to think, I, uh, I don't know how old this particular actor is. Who's, I'm trying to, th- come on, think, 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 think. Let me look him up real quick. He, he played... Uh, no, see, he's already played a character in the Marvel Universe, so that wouldn't work. Who is that? Adrian Paz, Pazdar, who played Glenn Talbot in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, he, he has. In fact, he is, I believe, Holy he is, fuck, he's 50. I believe he's the voice of Iron Man in uh, one of the Avengers cartoons. Yeah, yeah, he's he's 50. Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's, not, he's not nearly as young as you think he might be. <laughs> Meh. Well, he would not be a, a a younger Adrian Pazdar would not be a bad idea. The Adrian Pazdar from Heroes, like ten years ago. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a bad choice. It's just you know what happens, you you get an image of these actors in your head, and they stay that age while we keep getting older, <laughs> and then you just think of them. Okay, at that age. What about the guy that played his brother in Heroes? Um, mm, yeah, he, he's uh, hold on, let me see, Emilio Ventimiglia. Yeah, he's he's apparently a comic geek himself. He's thirty eight, so he's he's already already borderline too old. You know, he's already getting towards the upper end. Uh, you know, I, I, I think. And you're I, so picky. <laughs> well, you want to get somebody who could be in movies for a while at least in the role. You know, you know, same thing as when they recast James Bond. You don't want to get. You'd rather not get your uh, George Lazenby one and done. So you want you know you want somebody who could handle at least four or five times. I like George Lazenby. Yeah, but he was one and done. Yeah, and but, then they had to recast it again. Uh, but that was, Timothy what, Dalton, he was two and done. You know, the, the, you want somebody who's going to hold on to the role for a while. Um, so I, I'm more inclined to, you know, to, to get somebody a little younger. I don't want him to be too young because I don't want the contrast to be too dramatic between him and uh, and Robert Downey Jr. But you know, I, I might be inclined to to cast unknowns in these parts. I don't know. Say, I don't, I don't think I'd always want. People going, you know, going to these movies and saying that you know they already know who the actors are, uh, you know, for for what it's worth, as as much of a star as he's become since then, uh, what's his name from Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, except for Parks and Rec, he was pretty much an unknown, mm-hmm. and and he certainly wasn't known as an action star at all. And now look look what that's done for his career. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They could just go with somebody, you know, completely new. You don't have to go for the obvious. And it, well, yeah, because you know, Chris. Uh, Helmsworth? Hemsworth? Hemsworth. Thor? Yeah. yeah. The only thing I knew him from was playing Captain Kirk's father in uh, Star Trek 2009. Yeah. Oh, don't remind me of Star Trek. Uh, I, actually, you know what? I, I don't have any big beefs with the first movie. And I, I had a discussion. I don't remember where I had this discussion. Did I have it on a podcast? I don't know. If, if somebody's heard this before, I please, please excuse me. I didn't have... The first movie, I didn't mind. Oh, no. I was... T- actually, you know I, I was t- talking on the phone to... To somebody about this, that I liked the first movie better because it didn't ignore. Oh, I was comparing and contrasting Star Wars and Star Trek. How Star Wars ditched its expanded universe and just said, "To hell with all the stuff you've been buying and you cared about." The the big beef that Scott Rifen had, and how Star Trek didn't ditch the universe and didn't stop it. Because they went back in time, created a parallel. Those movies are an, an alternate universe. They're not Star Trek proper. I don't care what they say. But and they they even acknowledge that fact because they've con- like I said they've continued the stories beyond from when that movie was made. There's still books coming out about 
Picard, Worf, everybody else, and all the stuff that's happened and is still happening in that universe. So they didn't. I like the fact that they just did a reboot, but were able to keep the old stuff too. And how Star Wars wasn't, for whatever reasons, didn't want to do that. So, and how how, how did they get onto this from Iron Man? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just long for the ride. Okay. Well, hopefully that maybe answered your question, Jason, <laughs> or confused it even more. <laughs> So anyway, we're gonna... we, we have uh, we have four new iTunes reviews, five new iTunes reviews. Excuse Holy smagoli! Uh, the first one is specifically for Avengers Spotlight. What am I putting glasses on for? I can't read them. It's it's dated June eighth, two thousand fifteen. It's by uh, I N D Y H U. Whoever that is, I don't know, but I thank you because it's a five star review. I don't know and you. I N D I N D Y H U. I Indie Hugh? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Uh, but it reads, Nobody busts more chops than Paul and Dr. Bill. The <laughs> dynamic here is fun and all the time. I've been listening to Paul and Dr. Bill since they took over back to the bins, and they keep that good banter up to a high standard. If you like the Avengers, comic books, Mountain Dew, or the odd discussion about white trash zombie killers, you will love Avengers Spotlight. And the next review is by Jason Sandberg. And it says, every episode of BTTB is an adventure. Who doesn't love a treasure hunt? Back to the Bins is a weekly adventure in which a funny and knowledgeable crew of comic book enthusiasts dive into the long boxes and come back with old comics. You never know what they'll find. Could be a classic Silver Age story. Could be a 1980s masterpiece. Could be a terrible comic inspired by a bad TV show. You never know what to expect, but you can rely on the Binsters to make the synopsis and criticism entertaining. Who you go back to the bins with is as important as what you find there. I'm hoping that someday Dr. Bill will synopsize a John Buscema Conan comic using his... Hold on, I have to click to get more information here. Using his Schwarzenegger voice. Okay, and that's another five-star review. That's from Jason Sandberg. Moving on. the next that's, one. That's, I don't think that's the first time that's been asked. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it has actually been asked before. And uh, pulling back the curtain, we were planning on doing something to that effect, but just never got around to it. But you never know in the future. Mm-hmm. Next one is also a five-star review titled Great Banter, and it's submitted by 31 Crawls, C-R-A-W-L-Z. And it just says, lots of great titles discussed on this show, even better banter between hosts. Five stars, exclamation point. Then we Sweet. have another five-star review when Comics Were Great by Kenderson70. says, love finding this show spotlighting my favorite era for comics. Each show is top-notch, and I listen the moments it's posted. I tell you, I'm getting a big head just reading these things. I know. I, uh, I'm, you've, you've completely filled the Skype chat window. The next one is <laughs> Great Podcast About Comics and Beyond. It's also a five-star review. It's a giant from, pig boy face. God, from Rambi Tambi. It says, Bill and Paul present a great showcase of older comics and bring a lot of humor, not only to the comics they cover, but the banter beyond is just as entertaining. Always fun to listen to each episode. I got to tell you guys, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate the the kind words. Uh, You know, we always hope that we're entertaining. We're never sure if we are. So it's nice to to know that at least some people are being entertained by it. And certainly five-star reviews help other people who are looking for similar stuff to find us so thank you yes thank you very much because without any feedback then oh let's see you've been on for 
what about a hundred and well, if you count the, the the unnumbered episodes and the Avengers spotlights, I've probably been on base oh, yeah. for for close to probably about 140 episodes, if, I'd say. I was going to say like 150, and I've probably been on like 120 or 110 oh, or something. You know, you know, yeah, if we count the ones I've done with other people as guest hosts with me, I guess, yeah, that probably puts me about 20 to 30 ahead of you. So that's like, you know, that's like between the – like two to three hundred hours of of uh, of audio, and to think that we're just doing this and nobody's listening is kind of a phenomenal waste of time. <laughs> it is, but it isn't. It it, it is because because I'm putting you know we're going through the effort of of recording it and putting it out there. Ultimately, this is uh, I've said it before, and 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 the minute it stops, I'll stop doing this. But this is a labor of love. I love talking about comics. I love hanging out with my friends. Well, yeah, because we're doing that too. We're, you know, it's 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 not, you know, there's 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 no profit in this. Believe me. Uh, no, I was, absolutely. I was not. I was just asked that, you know, Ben 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 was saying, so when's that podcast money coming? I'm like, yeah, shut your hole, boy. <laughs> I can make another one of you. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's we do it because we enjoy it, and we hope that it's entertaining. And and when people say it is, that just adds another level of satisfaction to to the time we spend doing this. Makes the little pig face even bigger on my screen. So thank you very Spe- much, folks. Speaking of pig face and ham, did I tell you what what my wife made last night? I'm guessing it had something to do with pork. Yes, she cooked a ham. You know what she cooked it in? The fresh ham or the cured ham? I don't know. It was a big block of ham. Well, was it was it the salty ham like you you know similar to what they'd slice up in a deli, or was it more like a pork roast? Oh, it was like a, I'd say like a pork roast. I think okay, it had a so bone. that's cured ham. Okay. Yeah. So she put it in a crock pot and uh, it kind of sounded good in theory, but after execution, not so much. She she cooked it in root beer. That's interesting. Well, yeah, but it gives it a funky aftertaste. Uh, root beer and ham, you know. Pineapple and ham is the way to go. Yeah, but... but 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 the root beer it because now it's like all permeated in, into like the outer layer of the ham and it just doesn't it just doesn't taste right I don't know it's just weird it's really weird I'll give you maybe a I can, combo that that tastes good I could put some maybe put some ice cream on it and have a float <laughs> there's this one one weird combo that that I've had I had at somebody's house I tried it I liked it and I've done it again myself if you're barbecuing or grilling if you will uh, <laughs> you marinate a flank steak in French. That's- Salad dressing, hmm. and then barbecue it, slice it up really thin, make sandwiches. Delicious. Hmm. Well, I don't have a grill, so I can't do that. <laughs> do you have a barbecue? Uh, no. Oh, you don't have. Had, you don't have either. I have neither nor. I had a, a little. Uh, no, I I had a little grill for, for a while, but uh, eh, I didn't use it. And it got rusted out, so I had to throw it away. So, plus all I'm, the char- I'm a fan of the barbecue. It was a little teeny tiny one. It was like you know size of like a little hibachi ones yeah but like with big long legs so it was like kind of up in the air it wasn't like low to the ground oh but you'd have to have the the coals and stuff yes yeah that gets to be a little bit of you know to me that gets to be a little bit of, of much as far as work goes because you got to clean it out periodically and can, can, yeah it can get kind of nasty if you leave it and it rains yeah yeah you got to clean it you got to put the coat you know it's yeah it it gets to be you got to go out there and scrape the Scrape everything off and, you know. My gas you, grill, I got to clean once in a while, but it's not as bad as cleaning out coals. Yeah. And plus coals, man. You can, they, you can like, really flame that stuff up if you're not careful. Yep. 
Yep, yep. Although gas, I've never had a big. Uh, I know I'm getting way off topic. Stacey, you know, I'm off topic again. Did I ever tell on target? Did I ever tell you about what happened when I uh, was going to start the gas grill when I was a teenager? No, I don't believe you have. Hmm. I wonder if this is time for uh, a real life. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for real life with Doctor Bill Robinson. So I think I was about sixteen or seventeen, and my uh, my dad had always done all the all the cooking on on the grill. So he said, "Billy, go out there and fire up the grill. I'm gonna you know cook some stuff tonight." Oh, okay. So I went out there and I turned the gas on and I hit the little button that's you know that I'd seen him do numerous times before, and usually you hit the button and you know woof, it'll just come right up. So I'm hitting the button. I'm hitting the button. And then I close the lid and I go back inside and I'm like, Dad, it won't start. He's like, well, you got to really hit it hard. Okay. So I walk back out and I raise the lid back up. Now, notice I, in nowhere in this story did I say I turned the gas off. So I raise the lid back up and I just punch that button. And as soon as I hit that button, that thing ignited and this massive fireball just rolled right up in my face. But I, 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 I got my arm up in front of my eyes in time and it singed all the hair off my forearm and the top of my hair on my head, like just that, that was sticking out of my arm, was all burnt and curly cued. So uh, just telling you, kids, if you're going to walk away from a gas grill, be sure you turn it off before you try to fire it back up. Dr. Bill, yeah. stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> Just always remember that. Stop, drop, and st- stop, drop, and roll, dick, roll. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that was real life with Doctor Bill Robbins. That, that was that was fire safety tips with Fire Marshal Bill. <laughs> All right. So one, I think I think we've gone on long enough. Uh, why don't Why don't we talk yeah. some Avengers now? <laughs> Let's hop on in. And we tonight are covering. We're reaching the end, reaching the end of the Korvac saga. We're only at part number eight, <laughs> but we're getting there. It's a long. That's it, why it's called a saga, folks. It's not like a. It's not the Korvac short story, okay? It's not the Korvac novella. It's a saga. You happy? The, Cor- the Korvac epic. Korvac. I don't think it's but, enough. You know, realistically though, you know, and we've we've had conversations about this to you know a lot, talking about decompressed as opposed to compressed. And it seems like in modern times, a lot of the problems are that they stretch out stories that shouldn't be stretched out, that should be told in two or three issues. They have to do six so that it mm-hmm. can be the size of a trade paperback. Uh, back then, you know, they take a story that could be two or three issues and they do it in one, you know, back in the olden days. Uh, so the problem is when, when they, com- you know, when they compress for the sake of compressing and when they decompress for the sake of decompressing. You know, you got to let the story breathe and tell it at its own pace, and I think that's what this one does. Yeah, because it's spread out, and it's not every every issue has not wholly been about Korvac. It's some have been tangential at best. Wow, I actually said a big word, and it actually worked. So and in context, ah, exactly. But it, it's yeah, it's it's spread out, but it's not spread out just for the sake of being spread out. In fact, they probably, right. uh, you know, I mean, Jim Shooter was the editor in chief at this point, so he he could kind of control it himself. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of the powers that be might have even wanted to give him some resistance to doing it as long as he did. Possibly, yeah. I mean, because I know, no, I think there has been longer um, storylines in the Avengers, if I remember correctly. That whole Celestial Madonna. Uh, 
uh, Wanda, Vision getting married, all that crap. I think that stretched out quite a long time, too, over quite a many issues. Not sure exactly how many, in fact. And I'll keep talking because I hear you typing, and I'm assuming you're looking up how far it did stretch. No, I wasn't. I was, oh, damn. I was, uh, you just had to call attention to what I'm doing. Click, 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 click. Click, 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 click. Clickety, clickety. Yeah, like a little choo-choo train over there. But the the yeah, the uh, the celestial Madonna story. The thing about that is you never. It's difficult to pinpoint exactly when that began. You know, did that start when Madonna came? Or Madonna when uh, Mantis <laughs> came onto the Avengers? Did it? Did it? You know, did did it first start when uh, Libra revealed himself to be her father? Did it first happen when Kang tried to kidnap her? I mean, which did, point specifically it, started that? It was kind it of first, an ongoing narrative that just developed into that. Did it first start when Libra was introduced? Because he was introduced before that, if I remember. I, I, I think, you know, without Mantis in it, I think, no. <laughs> I think we can we can draw the line to begin with when Man- Mantis was introduced. And and even was mm. she introduced with it being the end game all along that she was going to be the Celestial Madonna? Or is that something that Steve Englehart kind of came up with as they went along? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we have to... Maybe when we do that someday, when Scott's not around. <laughs> I don't know if we could drag him kicking and screaming to those shows. We'll have to trick him. All right, I'm good with that. <laughs> we'll kidnap him one day. No, no, damn it. But anyway, tonight tonight we're covering Avengers number 175, which was in September of 1978. I don't have the cover date exactly in front of me because I'm not looking on Mike's Amazing World. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking in my Avengers Guide, the official index to the Marvel Universe. And we first, when we, uh, if we t- take a look at the cover before we jump in, and you and I both discussed this a little earlier. At first glance, you would think that this is a continuation of the George Perez covers. But upon closer examination, and you actually yourself said that you thought Thor looked a little funny like he was drawn by Dave Cockrum. Well, that's in fact because he was. And this cover is is by Dave Cockrum and Terry Austin as the ink. So I think it's probably Austin that might give it that Perez feel that we've been seeing the past week, you know, because he was teamed up on the covers with uh, with George. Now, is it insightful of me to look at the way Thor is drawn and say, hey, that looks like Dave Cockrum and be correct? Or is it really a dumbass move? To have to do that when, if you look over to the left side of the cover, it says Cockrum and Austin, and I just didn't notice that. No, I mean, I would say that it's, you know, that if if you looked at that first and thought, oh, that looks like it could be Dave Cockrum. And then, that you know, no, I don't think you're a dumbass. Well, yes, you do, but it just isn't <laughs> exemplified by that one moment. Just not in this case. Okay. Well, I appreciate your lack of thinking of a dumbass for a moment. Yeah. But your moment has passed. So. Now, the thing that strikes me right off the bat is that, you know, the image of Korvac in the cover looks nothing like Korvac from any other point that we've seen him in this story, nor does it look like anything we ever will see in the story. In this story, you are correct. However, in the Secret Wars um, Korvac saga, little miniseries, he does look like this. Uh, okay, towards... so, so 40 years later, they made him look like Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny you brought that up because I hadn't really thought of that until you mentioned it. That I was thinking, yeah, I did just see him look like this, you know, just just recently. So yeah, I have not read those issues yet, so I cannot comment on them. I think I'd like to wait until we're done with all the series proper before I dive into those. 
we're definitely going to have to hit on them. What is it? What is that? Is that two issues, three issues, four issues? Uh, I think it's four, but uh, if we cover them, I think we'll cover them in one episode, though. Yeah, I don't even really know if we need to cover them. I mean, I guess we could cover them at the end of this, but I hadn't really planned to. Maybe. I don't know. What does everybody think? We shall see. Do you want to cover them? Do you want us to cover them? Do you want to buy them and send them to us? Let us know. (laughs) Speak. Speak to me. Because I keep having to flip through them on the shelf. (laughs) Nobody's looking. (laughs) Look over there. That that guy's shoplifting. I got to go look through this book real quick. Because I'm not paying $4 for this. Because <laughs> I'm cheap. No, I'm not. I have a family and I like to eat. So, so on our cover that we've gone on about and haven't described anybody, uh, center right in the bottom of the page, uh, taken up about maybe a little less than half of the size of the cover is uh, Thor with his uh, with the hammer outstretched overhead, like he's getting ready to pound some nails. Uh, either that, or he's cheering on his favorite football team, or maybe he's cheering on the Mets. I don't know. And um, then we have the vision next to him. Looks like he's shielding his face from the sun with one of his hands. And um, with I got to say that that cape work is pretty cool. The way his cape's going to kind of going up on one side there behind him. And uh, I guess running behind him to get out of the way of a of a of a line drive from a baseball is uh, the Scarlet Witch there to the side of the vision, jumping out of the way. And then on the other side of Thor, we've got Iron Man peeking out from behind, and we also have. Um, yellow jacket flying back in the distance or i don't know if that's a shrunken yellow jacket or if he's just like back in the foreground a little bit because uh if he's shrunken he should be a little smaller but then you might not be able to see him and nowhere to be seen on here at least that i can tell is any other characters like the wasp or or anybody else so no nobody else now is is scarlet witch diving out of the way or is she casting a hex i don't know you and behind them because they're they're standing inside the outline of Korvac, of Michael Korvac, and he is, his body and his hair, the only thing that's really visible is like the outline of his fingers and his teeth, his chin, his eyes, um, and his shoulders, and and all inside that area is uh, space, the final frontier. A star field. A star field. We have planets. We have little, like, larger twinkling stars. And then beyond around his body is now, like, another layer of yellow crackling energy. Not really Kirby energy, but just e- energy. It almost looks like bubbling energy. Yeah. Scrubbing bubbles. They work hard. So but he's, he's, he's also happen. outlined in pink, which is just special. I think, I think there is no other reason for him to be outlined in pink other than they were trying to give a color scheme to contrast the yellow of the energy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's more of a fuchsia, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I, don't know. I think I think I've said too much. <laughs> Is it coral? Mauve. So, and then it says up in the uh, below the up in the below, yeah, below the Avengers logo, below the corner sign. From whence came the enemy? Question mark. From whence came the enemy? <laughs> Why do they have the question mark? They just from whence came the enemy? You know, or they could have had period. For once, yeah, I guess the question mark is just to emphasize the fact that at this point he's still like a total mystery to them. Well, that's true. They don't know who the enemy is. So, and like I said, our cover was by Dave Cockrum and Terry Austin with letters by, and oddly enough, the cover is is actually has a credited letterer and is different from the interior. Oh wow! 
Yeah, because interior letterer was Denise Wool, and on the cover it's Dan Crispy. For some reason, they have two letterers, which is kind of odd. But well, maybe not. What do you think? Uh, I think it's odd that he's credited for the cover because I've never seen a letterer credited for a cover before. But it's probably common for the you know when there is writing on the cover for it to be done by somebody other than the letterer from the interiors. Wow, you know what? Um, looking back, Dan Crispy has done the letters on every single cover. Nope, take that back. On 170, it was Irving Wanatabe, but mostly Dan Crispy did all the letters on on the covers. All right, we get a little too nit nitpicky. Let's get into this story. <clears throat> the end and the beginning, as if that's not uh, going around in a circle. Jim Shooter is our plotter and our editor-in-chief. David Michelini is the scripter. Dave Wenzel is the pencils. Pablo Marcos, the inker. Denise Wool, the letterers. And our colorist is... Such, uh, see, it says Phil... Oh, they must have shortened it because it's Phil Rachelson in the um, in my book, but in the comic it says, like, P. Rash. Like, they just cut off the end. Yeah, and I just thought it was P. Rash. <laughs> so that was the person's name, you know. Maybe nope, you get a, little, a little rash from, you know, not... Nope, it's Phil Rachelson. So he must have felt shortchanged with that. He's like, hey, welcome, you know, I got a long name. What, what's up with that? And Roger Stern is the editor. Him, him, synopsis. The Avengers investigate who murdered the Collector from afar moments ago, but, but they find nothing, partly because the same bolt that killed the Collector... Also destroyed his records. Melted all those LPs down to nothing. Man, he's pissed. As the heroes seek away off the Collector's ship, Iron Man finds a time machine, and its records show that the Collector was pulling Thor out of time and space in recent months to ensure... But I thought his would... records were destroyed. Well, that's a good point. Well, maybe it's just the Collector's records, but not the time machine's records. Oh, maybe it was a bad selection of stuff from the 80s and 90s, and it didn't really care. Very convenient. Hmm. Plot point, so... <clears throat> its records show that the that that the collector was pulling Thor out of time and space in recent months to ensure he would aid the Avengers against major threats, then returning him with his memories erased, explaining Thor's memory gaps. Remember those kids that we've been having for many many issues now, and abrupt comings and goings. A shaken two gun kid, homesick, whoa whoa whoa, homesick for the 1870s asks Iron Man to use the machine to send him back there. After Two Gun says his goodbyes, Iron Man complies. Vision finds the Collector's teleporter and uses it to send all the heroes back to Earth, though its problematic controls result in Wonder Man getting hit by a bus, Captain Marvel saving Scarlet Witch from a long fall, and Hawkeye getting stuck on a flagpole. While Korvac and his wife Karina commune with each other <laughs> that's what they're calling it nowadays the avengers convene at their mansion to discuss finding the collector's killer miss marvel arrives offering help and iron man accepts when jocasta offers to aid the search quicksilver douche denounces her as a mere machine sparking heated debate when moon dragon I'm looking over a moon dragon, moon dragon, moon dragon and vision come to jocasta's defense 
Iron Man breaks up a near fight between Quicksilver and Vision, then helps Wonder Man free himself from a set of super enhanced barbells he was using to show off for Miss Marvel. Or maybe those were dumbbells. The team's search is hindered by Gyrich's, remember him, Peter Henry Gyrich, another douche, recent removal of the team's computer databanks. So Iron Man calls in Starhawk for assistance, not knowing Starhawk's cosmic senses have been blinded to Korvac's existence. He blinded me to Korvac! <laughs> and that sums up that issue. Good night, folks. Oh, wait, we got to talk about the book. Do we have to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. We babbled on and on. No, now let's go through. What the hell? We've already we've already kind of discussed the cover. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's just now, hop overall, right in. On what, I mean, just give a you know. Do you think it works? The cover? Yes. Oh yeah, I love the cover. This this when I okay, believe it or not, and this is why I was surprised that this was not a George Perez. This is one of the first covers I think of when I think of the Korvac saga. Is this one for me personally? That's interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's true. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I mean, if you think, you know, which is the first cover you think of? All right, it's 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 not the one with uh, Yellow Jacket, Hercules, and Black Widow being kidnapped. You don't think of that? Maybe it's the captured by the collector one we did last issue. Um, we've got two coming up that we don't want to give any spoilers away, um, so I won't really mention those. But like they. The other past one I might think of, but is more iconic or just sticks in my head, is the one with Hawkeye with the bow and all the floating heads. But for some reason, I don't ever equate that with the Korvac saga. It's just a really cool Avengers cover. Well, I mean, we won't go, we won't talk about it at any length because we're going to get to it next episode. But the next issue is the one that I would think of first. Hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Hmm. I'd say these two. These two are, are the ones that pop to mind. That yep. But yep. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to put Dave Cockrum on the level of George Perez in my mind. Uh, George Perez is one of the, you know, I, I have my uh, kind of my my holy trio of uh, Jack Kirby, John Romita Senior, and Neil Adams. And then when we get to the next tier, as far as my own personal uh, comics reading pleasure would go, uh, George Perez, John Byrne. I'm trying to think of who else would fit into that category there are others but i'm maybe gil kane for me personally mm -hmm. gene colin for me personally uh they would be at the second tier dave cochran is probably at the, the third tier the next level after those guys so he's still somebody whose work i respect a lot dave cochran would probably be at the level as far as i'm concerned with like mike grell mm. uh, i can't think of I'm, I'm doing all this off the top of my head. I haven't like made a list of my all-time favorites. The top three are the ones that jump out at me right away. But just just to say that I would put Perez at a tier just above Cockrum. Mm -hmm. So I well, don't expect the same quality of work from him. But when Cockrum is firing on all cylinders, yeah, okay. It's just his he, his work isn't. I would say his work isn't as consistently sh sharp as Perez's. But, well. And I think a lot of this the this cover that's drawn out is might be from Terry Austin. I would say so, at least some of it is. I agree with that. You know, to yeah. some extent, Terry Austin is is the uh, the 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 one element that ties it all together. Yeah, he's, he's been making all of them. Right, at least on, on on the covers, and at least on one of our earlier issues. You know, they was you know the the glue that's holding things together. At least still cover wise, and then uh, Pablo Marcus is now. 
been kind of keeping it all all together through through the rest on the interiors. And and we've seen a difference when it's Pablo Marcos and when it's uh, diverse hands. Mm-hmm. You got got to admit there is a difference there. Yep. Yeah. That was a, that was a quite a jarring jarring issue. So on our first page of this issue, though, we got a nice splash of um, everybody staring at a pile of ashes. In- interesting choice on the perspective on the on the splash right off the bat. You know, it's it's looking down at a downward angle at everybody gathered around the dust of the collector. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, collector dust. <laughs> dust collector, sorry. But uh, they're, 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 they've got sitcom uh, arrangements because there's the opening in the middle. <laughs> it's just because yeah. you don't want to be... Because we have to have a place for the camera to come in, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's it's looking down through machinery at them, you know, at, at a fairly long angle or a long, you know, long view. Obviously, the, from the positioning of the guys, uh, the collector has just been... Yeah, because everybody, like everybody's got legs akimbo. They're like battle they're ready, jumping back. Yeah, except for Jocasta, who's a robot, <laughs> which is a nice touch. He's just standing there. Yeah, they could have just as easily made her stand like all the others. But why would she? She wouldn't care. She's just a robot. You know, albeit an intelligent robot, but she doesn't have the same. You know, e- e- even Vision. Well, Vision was all. Im- emotional at this point anyway in Mary the Wanda so you know even he's t- t- taken aback and even even from a you know from a storytelling point of view uh, one of the most dramatic poses is Wonder Man who's like almost turning his back totally to it and this is still at the point I believe where you know he was undergoing his fear mm-hmm. of death so uh, you know it, it's it's good storytelling in the posing of the characters or the uh, positioning of the characters yeah if if you just look at it real quick you'll there's well I've said there's more here than meets the eye transformer I would say the two that look look most battle ready immediately are cap and Thor mm-hmm. which is fitting Her- Hercules kind of looks startled but he's he's already throwing a punch yeah Iron Man looks like he needs a drink oh sorry Tony you know, I, I think it's it's very well, uh, like a, a real solid composition on this picture. Mm-hmm. And it's far enough away that you don't need super detail on the faces, but there's enough on there to convey, you know, like you could see somewhat of what, you know, of the shock on their faces. Yeah. Even though they're little teeny tiny people. And then from that, we, 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 we zoom right in. And um, uh, that's where Iron Man saying, all right. Everybody stay calm. I don't think there's any danger to us. And Wanda's like, no, no danger. <laughs> and uh, um, Vision's Iron Man is correct. Well, well, sorry, I'm doing Tom Harris voices. I apologize. <laughs> the being who vaporized the collector could easily have destroyed us all had that been his wish. And then again, going on your storytelling, look, look at Wonder Man's pose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's still kind of got the fearful look. Yeah, and, he's, and and also Captain Marvel looks a little perplexed, which would go to the thought of he's wondering because he has cosmic awareness. Why doesn't he sense more of what's going on? At least that's right. what I'm reading into his positioning. Mm-hmm. Although I, it, Hawkeye looks kind of yeah, he, that's not a good shot for him. Looks like he's gonna snort it or something. Hey man, that's a prime collector. Whoa. Um. So next, uh, Tony decides. You know, he wants to check. Check out the computers, him and Hank. Uh, 
Yellow Jacket, that is, not the Beast. Oh, that's right. The Beast is not here. I forgot. The Beast is uh, off on. We, we, we talked about that last issue, I think. Yeah. How he was, how he looked like he was on the cover when in reality he had split prior to this. Um, so Yellow Jacket and uh, Iron Man go off, and uh, he tries to look in the memory banks, and ho ho, surprise! The, the same blast that got the collector must have wiped these out too, Iron Man. Just what the hell are we up against? So he comes back to the group and says, uh, uh, you know, yeah, um, Hawkeye says, any luck, Shellhead? Yeah, Hawkeye, all bad, which makes getting out of here our top priority. So now they start to scramble around for a way to get out of where they are. But oh, didn't they get beamed in there by the Guardians of the Galaxy? You think they would have, still have some way to communicate with them, but like a communicator or something? I don't know. Yeah, you would, you would think, or at least they would have had an escape plan. If you don't hear from us by such and such time, beam us out. Right. Yeah. Something you 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 would think they'd be a little bit more organized that, especially with uh, you know people like Captain America, who's a master strategist. Mm-hmm. With them, you, you know, don't just send us in there and thank you, goodbye. We love you. Bye bye. So uh, I'm storming the castle. <laughs> they haven't got a clue. Uh, they haven't got a prayer. Whatever. Uh, so now they go off and uh, oh. It'll take a miracle. That's right. Um, and for Russell, that's the Princess Bride, if you haven't seen that. <laughs> he hasn't. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb there. <laughs> hey, Russell, Star Wars, did you see that yet? <laughs> the Star Wars of which you speak. <laughs> Is that like that Star Trek TV show? I don't know. So... Iron Man goes off again and finds um, the time machine circuitry, and he's able to figure out by the time machine records that, oh, it's, and by studying its functional playback tapes, what is it, is it a cassette, is it a, is it a Betamax, you know, what was the collector? Reel to reel. Reel to reel. He found the solution to at least one mystery that's been plaguing us, and this is where we get the recap of, uh, now, is this, is this a misprint? Where it says, as you all know, about a month ago, about a month ago, Thor took a leave of absence to pursue his Odin's quest. And there's the editor's note, and in my book it says Thor 225 to 263. That's uh, that's comic book timeline. Time isn't supposed to pass. That's why Tony Stark should stay eternally young. But is that actually how long the... I mean, I've got a lot of older Thors, but it's been a long time since I've read them. Was he actually on the Odin quest for over... Like uh, thirty something issues. issues. Wow. Uh, I I honestly don't recall. Um, the Odin quest by the Odin quest. If I'm remembering right, I think Odin basically went missing. And and if I, if I'm remembering, oh, I, I'm getting that that confused with when I think Odin sent him off to find like the Black Nebula or the Nebula Galaxy or something like that. There was there was a a, a stretch in there during the uh, during during the you know the two I know in the 200 somewhere where Odin went missing and lost his memory and he was actually like on a farm and they were calling him Orin <laughs> and and I, I don't recall exactly what happened so I'm not sure if he's on a on like you said the black nebula, nebula thing or if it's he's searching for Odin I don't recall which it is hmm. well so basically this is when it's explained that um, the and I got a nitpick about this, which I think you, I think we might have already discussed this. So basically, the collector was bringing Thor back to help out when the Avengers were going to be in tight squeezes, like, <laughs> excuse me, versus Ultron and Count Nefaria. 
And then he'd pull him back out, send him back to where he was, wipe his memory. And then when he finally returned in Avengers 170, he didn't know about any of these previous adventures that they had. You know, because, uh, yeah, and then Tony says the collector wanted to, wanted the Avengers intact, so he plucked, fucked, plucked Thor out of time and space to help us. Well, didn't we say before, why didn't he just pluck them out of time and space there? Like, why did he have to bring, why do you have to go through all these machinations to bring Thor to help them when he could have just pulled them out and just beamed them up and shoved them in his collection then? I don't know. Because... Comic. Plot. Yeah, plot. Plot. So this is where the two-gun kid's like, hey, uh, say, partner, uh, hate to interrupt, but I was wondering that their uh, time gizmo could reckon, you know, reckon work on me. So, and I got to say that that corner shot page you, of the two-gun kid, you, I, I think that's, I think that's a good panel or a, a good drawing of him. Um, yeah. Really detailed with the shading of where his hat would be kind of covering his face a little bit. But that's almost, I hate to compare one person to another. That's almost a pair as quality drawing there in, in, in itself. And I'm probably unfairly giving Pablo Mocas the credit for it. <laughs> you don't think it's Dave Wenzel? I, I mean, I guess he, he, uh, you know, he gave the penciling obviously, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking a lot of the detail work is Marco, Marcos. Yeah. But what's a little off putting is like in the same panel, uh, whereas as much as the two-gun kid sticks out, Iron Man and Hawkeye don't. Well, Iron Man's head looks a little off. Yeah. The, like uh, the, the like, Little Widow's peak looks like it's slightly off. It, it's, it's it's in there. Yeah, it's not centered over like how, how it should be. And uh, Hawkeye, again, has derp face back there. I don't know what he's doing. He's probably snorting some more of the collector's ashes. So, and, and so... They get uh, Two Gun Kid up on the platform, and in a nice little spatial type beam out panel, they whisk him away back to the 1870s. And at that point, uh, the Vision pops in through a wall and says, "Ah, I believe he's found the. I believe I found the teleportational device. If you'll just step this way." I'm like, "What? Through the wall, jackass? Thanks, nice smartass, smartass <laughs> android." So now we cut to the bustling metropolis of uh, Manhattan. And uh, we see uh, the world's smallest hot dog cart. <laughs> hot dogs, armor hot dogs. And, and apparently they, they made a mistake with the time travel device because they uh, they transported some news guy from the 1930s selling papers. <laughs> well, yeah, that that guy in the red suit. Whew, at least in my book, he's wearing a red suit next to the guy from the 30s. And his hair is actually pink. I think somebody screwed up in in the coloring on on this panel, and I've got the hardback. Well, I'm working. Have? I'm working off the Avengers uh, DVD. Uh huh. And uh, the suit looks brown. The hair looks gray. Wow. Because his suit is his suit is the red color of Wonder Man's red jacket, and his hair is pink, bright pink. So somebody really goofed on the coloring for this. And yeah, luckily, they fixed it for the uh, trade. For, <laughs> but not in the hardback. Thanks, guys. So we hear from the uh, the bus uh, the bus driver. That's right, ma'am. It was to be Ralph Brandon. You can transfer to the Carnegie line at Holy Crud! And out of nowhere, Wonder Man has popped up in front of a bus, and the bus hits him. Curse smash. 
And then, while appearing above, the Scarlet Witch, poof, pops into existence. But she does not have time to cast a hex spell and plummets towards the towards the ground below. But in a really nice panel that kind of demonstrates physics, um, Captain Marvel swoops in and catches her and then flies up with her. It's nice how, how they have the multiple Captain Marvels in different stages, one where he's coming down, the next where he's grabbing her, the next where he's kind of scooping her up, and the next where, you know, each each version of him is getting a tighter grip on her, and then he pulls her up out of the drive, out of the dive. So you could kind of think that maybe he's he's slowing her descent instead of straight up catching her and either A, breaking every bone in her body from the sudden stop. So I don't know. I Well, she was pretty high when she started to drop. And at the point where he finally adjusts his arc to start going upwards again, they're down within, you know, feet of the street. Yeah. In fact, so much so that traffic is, there's people all over the freaking, like, they really disrupted traffic. <laughs> now, I, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, she, she can't concentrate enough to cast a spell, but her own thoughts, she refers to herself apparently in the third person. And, and apparently no one told the collector's computer that the Scarlet Witch can't fly. <laughs> well, plus in this what would be mere like a second or so, there's this whole conversation that uh, Marvell is having with Wanda. Fear not, Wanda, to one who can sense the falling of a dust moat in a desert. The sensing of your peril was simplicity itself. To which she replies, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so you know what? It's okay that the cars are smashing into each other with pedestrians near them. I mean, that looks like a mass chaos. You gotta think several people died just down there. There's like one cab hit, hitting. There's a cab hitting a car. There's a cab. There's a man right his... next to it. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's not like it's just cars on the road. Then the, the car on the left is going onto the sidewalk. Apparently, there's a truck dropping radioactive waste. To turn I was just gonna to say that. I was just going to say there's a truck dropping radio. So oh, there's the origin of Daredevil. It's like a retroactive origin. <laughs> because they uh, they dropped the radioactive uh, barrels back through time. And it, and it caused Matt Murdock to go blind. So Marvel uh, lands lands with the, the Scarlet Witch. They're looking kind of chummy by the time they land. Uh, meanwhile, um, <laughs> Wonder Man is trying to, uh, is having it out with the, uh, with the bus driver who's saying, uh, you know, how, how am I going to explain to dispatch that a pedestrian broke my bus? And eventually, uh, Wonder Man walks over and tells, uh, Marvel and Wanda that, uh, well, I, you know, I told him that Tony Stark will pay for it. Yeah. Tony Stark, he fixes everything. It's like, and, like, uh, what was it in RoboCop? They'll fix you. They fix everything. Fix everything. <laughs> and there's another nice panel here. I, I like the detail on Marvel's face. As he's looking at 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 Wonder Man, like he's like, "Hey man, I was hitting on her. Get out of here." <laughs> yeah, I think there might be a little of that going on because he definitely looks like he's annoyed. He's like, "Hey man, you you're crimping my style. Go well, away." I spent 20 minutes getting my hair to look like this. Take you, take you in your safari jacket and red sunglasses and beat it. It hits me in my hair. <laughs> and speaking of things in your hair, there's Hawkeye hanging from a flagpole. Now, I think that panel is not so great because no. he doesn't look like he's straining in the slightest to hold himself up. And yet it's not like he has his arms wrapped around the pole. He's just holding on with his hands and he's not dangling from it either. He's it holding would be- himself almost, you know, even with it. 
Well, you figure he's got the upper arm strength to like pull himself up on on that pole. He should. Is is, is he actually in the process of pulling himself up, or is he just dangling? Because if he's pulling it. himself up, I'll give you. I'll give it to you. But if he's dangling like that, that doesn't look correct. No, no. Because if he's dangling, he should just be hanging, or have both his arms like hooked over that, or like have his legs wrapped around it, and his arms, you know, saying, "Hey, get me down from here." You know, but you know, Hawkeye's supposed to be like an acrobat in his own right. He should be able to get down from there. Was he? Yeah, really. He's not that far off the ground. Was he's he's got to be about fifty feet. Uh, no, I wouldn't even say that because you figure Lee, that's one story where they're standing two, three, maybe three to four, maybe maybe. Look how, look how little they look down below. Ah, uh, they made them way too small. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we cut away from that for a while into. Um, Back into the suburbs to where Michael is taking another dip in the pool. You know, where is this? Well, you know what? I, I, I guess if you're a supreme being, you don't have to worry about how you can afford this nice house in the suburbs with the pool. He's got his Kirby Crackle bathing suit on. <laughs> it's my Kirby Speedo. How do you like it? As he strolls back up and he visits uh, Karina, who's still wearing her little pink nightie, uh, crying on the bed. And um, the last... The, the, Panel at the bottom left-hand corner of this page, woof, I don't like it. Her face just really looks... Close-up of her face? Yeah, it just looks weird. One eye is just, it's off. He's drugged, clearly. Well, yeah, she does look kind of drugged, because then he uh, makes a move on her, and the last panel... He gave her a roofie. He gave her a roofie. Oh, she has a night... We have another shot of the nice nice pink nightie, and uh, then he starts to make his move. Now, as... Bad as this last... Okay, I don't like this last panel either where they're starting to kiss. I just... It doesn't... I don't know. It just doesn't look right. The shadows don't look right. But then when you go to the next two panels, it looks it looks so much better. I don't know if it's because of the energy effects to where basically they're starting to, to, to meld. Uh, you know, they're starting to merge as beings. Um, she's given into him completely and... They've basically, they're basically both look like they're forms of energy that are golden in color. And there's like a, a white, like fiery crackle around them. And then around that is like some red and black Kirby crackleish stuff. And, um, <laughs> and I'm going to read this one line, this one box slowly. I'm sure you know which box I'm going to read, Paul. For Michael, it is an experience in understanding as he softly slips between the delicate folds of Karina's soul. Aha! <laughs> I don't know what you could mean. I don't know, and 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 the picture that's accompanied with it, whereas the other close up to where she had, her face was not that great. This one, let's just say she really looks happy. She's got the orgasm face going. She's got her O face. Yeah, and we're basically treated to Flashback City, uh, which is another. We've got a the rest of the page is the retelling of the collector's plan of sending. Karina to Michael. In her which, superhero suit. Which I like that suit. Where's my super suit? <laughs> and showing her the fashion show. And then the con- the confrontation to where Michael looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger there with uh, with Starhawk. And then next he's doing a beatdown on her. And uh, then it shows him destroying, um, blasting her dad. You know, happy Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And then the next page, we're treated to Korvac's side of the flashback. But this is a two-page flashback. Actually, take that back. A three-page flashback. 
to where we basically rehash a quick recap of the Thor annual to where uh, of Thor annual six to where he was fighting Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then he did a little hop, skip and a time jump and found himself on Galactus's uh, um, ship and he plugged himself in. I must say, luckily, he found the perfect fitting computer output console that his little tri-pronged electronic probe fit into. Did you, <laughs> did you notice that? Yes, I did. It's like, oh, how convenient. <laughs> but upon doing that, he basically uh, absorbed um, all the knowledge from the ship or as much as he could. And in a sense, he absorbed so much energy and knowledge that he became a god onto himself and reformed his body. Again, we have some thank God for some nicely placed energy crackles because I don't think I wanted to see little Korvac in this shot. But I have to say that is a somewhat nicely drawn specimen there. But, Although his face um, is a little funky. You know, barring some, more, some greater explanation for his power, Galactus, although extremely powerful by the Marvel standards, is not truly a god in his power level. You know, he he's not up there with, say, Eternity. Or at least I don't believe he is. Well, because somehow he's able to... Okay, because it says, uh, and so, and so, plugging his tripronged, tripronged electronic probe into the station's computer output console, he had turned his absorption relays on full, only to find that knowledge is indeed power and that he had underestimated the impact of absorbing knowledgeless knowledge as boundless as infinity by the time by then it was too late he had begun this just in my phone's ringing direct line oh hold on i'm gonna take this and see what it is because i'm pissed off the phone rang bye so anyway, having re-interrupted, I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe that he collected enough knowledge slash power from Galactus's ship to be effectively more powerful than Galactus. Well, I don't know. That's what they said on Schoolhouse Rock. You know, knowledge is power. I accept that. But, well, I don't know. But, that's, but, if that's it, a... but if it'll make him that powerful, why isn't Galactus? He's, I mean, I'm taking it as him being more powerful than Galactus here. Well, I think, well, you know, let's, all right, I'm going to try to no prize this. Galactus is also bound by a hunger, and you could say that maybe that kind of limits him from reaching a, 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 a higher level because he's, like, that's his built-in flaw that keeps him from becoming what Korvac could. Because Korvac is just, you know, I don't know. You see where I'm going with that, or no? Yeah, no. I, I do. The, you're saying that the the hunger limits him. I mean, I, I yeah, understand. it's like a built-in limitation. He's always looking for his next meal. It's, I mean, that. you and I are weakened the same way. Exactly. Yes, I could be so much more if I wasn't continually hungry. I would probably be like Cor at Corvac's level if I didn't have such an appetite. I would probably have Corvac's body if I didn't have such an appetite. <laughs> Now, I, I got to say, I think these pages are pretty well drawn, mm -hmm. particularly the tech stuff. I really like the way it looks. The, the space station itself, uh, you know, Korvac in his more uh, evil look. <laughs> his, uh, yeah, his... Even um, the transforma transformation, just the whole thing. I think this is a well-drawn series throughout this whole flashback. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then when he becomes, um, he reforms his human body because he he, he had been a Badoon slave in like the 31st century, and he had it, it escaped them. I mean, we probably covered this way back in uh, when we did the um, Guardians of the Galaxy spotlight when we covered Thor, the Thor annual. So, but I don't think we've really brought it up that much here that that he was a a um, basically like a a human that was grafted to a computer by the by the Badoon who had taken over um, Earth in the 31st century. So, uh, so he reforms his human body and then with his newfound, um, you know, that's when he decides that he's going to subtly make all alterations and manipulate the fabric of reality so he can eventually take control. And, um, and I guess he needed to return to Earth to do that. <laughs> and then now, oh, right. Yeah, just just a sneeze. And now he has a mate to share that with, one Karina Walters, a woman that Korvac, the enemy, Michael, was only now beginning to truly know biblically. I mean, uh, intimately. And then the last shot. The the gentle folds of her soul. Right. Now, through most of these these three or four four pages, we didn't really have the true panel structure. Um, A lot of the pictures flow into one another bleed over uh and usually just like a couple caption boxes there are a few uh true panel breakout you know breaks but it it's these three pages flow kind of nice together and I, I think the location you know we, we spoke the other day uh or two weeks ago i guess it will be no i guess it'll be last week uh where there was an issue where i was not happy with the lettering and the placement of the lettering boxes and i thought it looked fairly amateurish in this instance i think the, the letter boxes are placed very, very well to separate some of the action and almost create that panel look where it doesn't exist. Right, yes. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying when we go through these books to appreciate it on all levels or to criticize it on all levels. And mm-hmm. lettering is something I've never, you know, it, it, just to go back with that, inking is something that I think I've grown a much, much greater appreciation for through doing this show. And now I'm trying to look at coloring and lettering a little bit because mm-hmm. it's something I never really paid attention to. It's something that I just either, you know, I either noticed it or didn't, but it wasn't really something I would specifically dwell on at all. You know, so I agree. Yeah. So it's something I'm just trying to pay a, t- a little bit more attention to. Now, some of the coloring here, I think, could be a little bit more subtle, but I think that may be just due to the nature of the lack of, you know, the lack of flexibility they had with the color palette at this point. Well, see, we may be looking at different colors, too. Yeah, that's true, too, because we've already seen examples of that. Yeah, because, like, they're, like, the color that's around the naked Korvac, the little green wisps of en- 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 energy that I assume is the remains of his old form mm-hmm. um, is, like, a greenish color, like a almost a light olive-type color. Yeah, well, that's that's the same here. I'm looking okay. at the page before that and at the top panel, uh, the machinery. You know, some of it's kind of a light purple, some of it's blue, some of it's red, and some of it's yellow. And it's just kind of very stark in its mm-hmm. uh, separation. I, I, I think it could use a little bit more subtlety there. Well, see, like in mine, there's like there's a big red ball like where he comes into the big machinery room. Mm-hmm. And then that piece of machinery to the left and those little rectangular slots, each one of those has a different color in it. Yeah, okay. Do you do you have that yeah, I here? I see that. I see that as well. Yeah. But yeah, but then it to is the right, of... it's just, you know, we'll just color this blue. Yeah. It's to me that's that's 
similar to what I might have done 40 years ago with a crayon. <laughs> we'll make the floor yellow. And that's it. And he's done. He's a god. Yeah. The god. So it's, it's, it's not that it's terrible by any stretch, but it's just I think it could use a little bit more subtlety to it. Mm-hmm. But again, some of that might just be due to the lack of flexibility they had on what was available for them to work with. Right. I'm just flipping back and forth looking at the different... Uh, I wonder if that's... Uh, you know, I've seen that version of uh, Galactus' ship before. I believe his, ship, his first ship was called Tau, which I think was named after his home planet. From, uh, or at least it was Retro, or they, they... And then he had Tau 2, I think. Like, T, is it T-A-A or T-U, T-U-A, T-A, Tau? I'm not sure. I don't uh, it's know. It's been so long. So long, and I'm so old. Well, anyway, enough of uh, Korvac and Karina's uh, uh, folds <clears throat> and merging. And we now go back to we when we last left our heroes. Everybody's hanging around the old table at the Avengers Mansion. It is a nice, nice little shot. It's not as detailed as I thought it could be, but it's still... A nice uh, view of all the current Avengers, and they're all in the mansion back together. Hawkeye's posing for a centerfold. <laughs> yeah, as he's sitting up on like a like a little uh, uh, what do you call those? Like a console of some sort. Yeah, like a console stereo system from the seventies. And uh, somebody erased the big A from the middle of the table. I noticed that. I'm like, where's the A? You know what? The, guy reach, the, the guy does take not that too? look. The table well, doesn't it's, look it's, right. I guess it's oblong. Yeah. Well, no. What something what doesn't look right on the table is the way Cap Shield is sitting on the table. It doesn't yeah. look right. It's not yeah, the, the right the, angle. The perspective seems off on the angle of the table. Yeah, that like it, it doesn't create the right right look of depth that I think they were going for. Even the paper doesn't look right on the table. Yeah, it looks. I noticed right. that uh, the Black Widow is. It looks like she's almost sitting on Hercules's lap. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's got his arm around her. Either that or she grew four really big fingers on her shoulder. <laughs> and then do you notice that Wasp is sitting on Hank's shoulder? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Yep. And there's, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got everybody here. Thor, Moondragon, Wasp, uh, Black Panther, Yellow Jacket, Scarlet Witch, Hercules, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Iron Man, Captain America, Wonder Man, Quicksilver, Captain Marvel, Vision, Jocasta. I think I got everybody in there. And they're all gathered around the table to figure out what the heck are going, what the heck is going on. Um, You're not not too egotistical from Thor, though. Verily, tis a puzzle to try even an Asgardian mind. <laughs> Nevertheless, you low, lower life forms. <laughs> I mean, I understand why you'd all be confused, but I'm an Asgardian. Yeah, puny humans. I, I, I'm just noticing now that Jocasta is kind of blending in with the windows behind her. Again, a little bit of a lack of subtlety to the color palette. <laughs> yeah, it's like is, is she gets the metal wall, or is that a glass wall? What does she have that? Does she have Nightcrawler's ability to blend in? <laughs> so they're they're bickering back and forth. You got Black Panther bickering with Quicksilver, and Tony tells him, well, yeah, Iron Man tells him all to shut up. This, we're not going to solve this by uh, we're not going to solve it by bickering like three years old uh, by three year bleh, three year olds, and. Um, so he's like, uh, you know, um, any serious suggestions from the floor? And from the window comes, not from the floor, Iron Man, but how about from the window? And in flies Miss Marvel. In the flesh, Wendy, I had a seventh. That's who uh, Wonder Man says, Miss Marvel. In the flesh, Wendy, I've had a seventh sense bulletin that you folk might need some help. 
She comes in her nice little sexy costume. Although I like the warboard co- costume more than I like this one, but you know, I don't know. No, my, my own personal taste. I liked when she had this one with the open belly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, she could probably fly around in that green underwear she had in that other issue. I know, I'm a sexist pig. Moon Dragon would probably mind wipe me for saying these things. So basically, we get down to a bunch of bickering. Oh, I got to say, there's one shot that is pretty funny, but doesn't make any sense. Because I don't know if I missed it. Because um, I'm trying to see if Tony had told everybody to split up yet or whatever. But Thor walks off, right? And you see that Hank has shrunk down and the uh, the Wasp and Yellowjacket are like flying out with Thor when he leaves. Do you see that? No, where is that? I'm, I'm missing. Mid- middle panel. Uh, okay, yeah, I do see. Yeah, I mean, if you blink, you'll miss them there. They're just like, phew. They got the little like flight little in you know trails to right. to and, show. And, speed. and once again, Captain Marvel's hair is looking fabulous in that shot. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even see him down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, Vision is try- trying to blend in with Tony's arm again, trying to show the lack of the cut color palette because he's got his cape closed and it's almost like he's you know. And then Tony's arm is in front of him, and those those you know Tony's. Armor really shouldn't be that quite gold. It might should be a little bit off from the Vision's cape color, but you know, just my own personal uh, thing. So uh, Tony mentions that he might want to. Uh, he asked Jocasta um, if she would be able to help search, and this, of course, ticks off Quicksilver, which involve which causes uh, Vision to get a little pissed off with him, and that brings up the whole deal about Wanda marrying the Vision, a machine, blah 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 blah. So of course, Pierto runs off the whiny snob that he is. But that that is, you know, that is a continuation of problems that have existed between them for years oh, now. Oh, so, yeah. So I think it, it's it's consistent with, consistent with the character. And, you know, he is a hothead. And I, I think it's, it's he's properly portrayed there. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's nice is that we're seeing a little bit of uh, growth here for Iron Man in the same scene because he stands between the two and says, all right, cut it out. The days when Avengers punched each other out at the drop of a cowler over we're a team now and we're going to act like one so he's kind of stepped up to where before he he was kind of wishy-washy on leading the team when back when we had uh you know dick dick cap you know cap dick america when he was all mad at tony and tony's uh kind of stepped up a little bit of course that brings us to the last panel when it's when it looks like one of the three stooges mo has just stepped out of tony's uh uh, armor (laughs) That's just a terrible shot of his hair. What is that? Helmet hair? What is that? Yeah, that that is bad. <laughs> it's uh he looks like mastermind. <laughs> yeah, and he's just he's just kind of stressed out about the whole thing trying to solve this issue. Um but like the next few panels his hair looks back to normal. But it's that one is just looks looks bad. Well, it's, you know, it does make sense that uh if he has his, his helmet on and he takes it off, he should have helmet head. <laughs> yeah, he did. So he fixes his hair and he puts his helmet right back on to go check the computer banks. And on his way, he passes uh, Wonder Man trying to uh, show uh, Miss Marvel the electro-sizer. Best thing in the world for building muscles, baby. Want to give it a go? So she tries to pick it up and he goes, oh, by the way. Oh, he's like, yeah, those ma- magnetic plates on the floor vary the sizer's weight and right now they're set for thor but if you just step aside i'll show you what 
Wonder Man can do. And I think uh, uh, that in a few seconds, uh, you'll see that I'm not quite Thor. Uh, you want to shut off this thing, babe? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how. Relax, Miss Marvel. I do. I got her. You know, I I really feel like I'm stealing Tom Harris's stick when I do this. And anybody who doesn't know who Tom Harris is, you need to go listen to Radio Free Asgard. Or you can listen to our uh, Thor episode when we when Thor: The Dark World came out and Tom was on with us. Exactly. So. And then so, you should go listen to Radio Free Asgard as long as it isn't taking away from your back to the bins listening. The shows are shorter and quicker, and he only has himself to talk to, so it's kind of hard for him to go off on tangents. But he does sometimes. But anyway. So anyway, Iron Man does a well-placed repulsor blast, and there's a little button beep, that uh, turns off the exerciser, the electrocyzer. And um, he basically uh, says, you know, no harm done, Wonder Man, blah, blah, blah. And Wonder Man is stunned, you know, because, wow, he didn't even yell at me. And uh, Miss Marvel tells him, that's because the man's got problems, Wendy. Problems we best get busy and help him solve. And uh, I guess Wonder Man is looking at Miss Marvel's butt as she flies away. I would. Because he goes, uh, right. <laughs> what have we here? Well, hello. You truly do belong among the asteroids. Oh. So Iron Man goes down to the computer room and his problems have only gotten worse. Now, now this is, I'm just going to interrupt you, but this is stupid. Yes, this why the this Jarvis. Everything's broken around, thrown all over. There's debris all over, and Jarvis is there with a, with a freaking dust <laughs> with a feather duster. Feather duster. I mean, come on. Yeah, but how how much of a dick is Tony Stark? Because he smashes something, and then Jarvis goes and starts to pick it up. <laughs> but at least um, he says something to Tony. He's like, "I'm just grateful that those Guardian people chose the headquarters elsewhere." And Tony's like, look, Jarvis, right now I couldn't care less about the Guardians. Jarvis, you're beautiful. Don't I am so. <laughs> and, 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 you know, what? this is c- c- kind of a callback in the scene right here. Um, this is in soon at a modest home in Socrates, New York. <laughs> will you grab, will one of you, uh, we have Martin X heating up, <laughs> heating up a kettle of water. Gee, where have we seen another character heat something up with a power? Paul? That would be the vision. <laughs> With his solar gem, which I think you said he, what, he never uses? What was the argument we had back then? No, it wasn't an argument. It was, it was uh, and I, you know, of course you got to bring it up because it's one of the very, very few times I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I had, I, my, my memory was that he always used his solar gem to absorb the light, but then would dispel the heat through his eyes, which happens most of the time. And you guys said, no, 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 I've seen him do it through, you know, dispel it through the solar gem, which I had never recalled seeing, but I have been proven wrong. That did happen occasionally. As he was teeing up like a cup of coffee with the solar gem. Mm-hmm. That's all it's good for. That's the low setting. I pump it out the solar gem when I want to, you know, make hot cocoa. But it was even that one a couple of couple of issues ago, and I think it did come out of his eyes in that one, where Jarvis yeah. was tied to the chair, and he's using his, his heat to untie him instead of just... Untying him. Yeah, just untying him. Yeah, Don't yeah. move or I'm going to sear you to death. But <laughs> Go on. So, so Martin X set, asked for somebody to grab the phone because he's heating up the water for Nikki's cola. And, uh, Coco. Coco, sorry. And uh, Charlie X, Charlie 27. <laughs> Charlie X. I want to well, stay. Stay, 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 stay. <laughs> he says, you get it, Starhawk. I'm waiting to see what Marty uh, does when the steam fogs his eye crystals. Now... Does, 
maybe I'm reading too much into this, but um, so Starhawk has cosmic awareness, right, and perception. Mm-hmm. Don't you think he already knows who's on the other end of the phone? Of course he should. <laughs> so he should probably just go. It's Iron Man. Wanting he should just tell them who's on the other end and not even pick up the phone. Well, but that's just me. That's what I would do if that I would was. Would be so uh, annoying to live with somebody with cosmic awareness. <laughs> Ding dong! Don't get that. <laughs> what? what? It's Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Jehovah's. Oh, I can't be. Oh, damn! It's Jehovah's Witness. How did you know? You know. You're so, with yeah. one who knows. That would be the odd couple. We'd have uh, Starhawk. Who who would? Uh, let's see, Starhawk, and so St- Starhawk would be like Tony Randall and the Thing. I was just thinking, I was just. Or Starhawk and the Hulk. Stars. Starhawk <laughs> Star and the Hulk. Hulk. The least you could do when you go to the bathroom is put on the fan before you come out. <laughs> that just but, makes me think of the Saturday Night Live skit. Oh yeah. When they're like Hulk, oh Hulk, by the bathroom. And you see Starhawk before he goes to the bathroom, standing out there going, I know that's going to stink. <laughs> so anyway, Starhawk gets the phone and um, basically explains to him, you're like, we need to find out who the enemy is. And Starhawk says, well, I'm sorry, and the only enemy, but the only enemy is Korvac, and I must await his arrival here. Can't you guys put this together? <laughs> you guys are getting like, this is getting a little comical. Yeah, it, it is a little bit like, hey, maybe the guy you're looking for is the guy we're looking for. Hmm. <laughs> and then um, they tell Starhawk, like, hey, you know, hey, these guys have helped us out. Don't be a douche. Why don't you? Well, he doesn't quite say that. But uh, uh, so he decides, yes, I'll go off and help them. And then at the same moment. Michael, I don't know. He, he, one, it looks like uh, that little uh, all-day bed session took a lot out of him because he's like all he looks all emaciated and he's got a massive headache or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she says, "Michael, is something wrong?" And I must say, she's looking pretty nice in that purple robe and probably nothing else. And uh, she's bringing him a, a a cup of coffee, and he says, "No, Karina, the Avengers have merely contacted Starhawk, unaware that his senses can no longer perceive me." And then uh, we have the Scooby-Doo eyes above um, Starhawk as he's flying through the city. You know, the one at the beginning of Scooby-Doo, where are you with the, with the eyes? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's saying, if they listen to him, they'll never find me. <laughs> and let us hope that such is the case. For I hold no bleh, enmity. Enmity. I thought I was. Enmity. Enmity. Bleh. I need another drink. I'm getting a little, little, little parched. I only got one panel left and I couldn't make it. Enmity it's towards. Careful for putting enmity in it. Enmity, enmity, enmity. Well, you know, I've got that stuttering thing sometimes. So, <clears throat> towards the Avengers, and it would be a pity indeed to have to destroy them. <laughs> as he's sipping his coffee. <laughs> ow, ow, I burned myself. Ow. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh while drinking hot coffee. Next, the hunt. And that finishes Avengers 175. So we only have, I believe, two. We have 176 and 177. Well, there will, there will effectively be three Korvac episodes left for Avengers yeah. Spotlight. Two more of the Avengers series and then a look at spin-offs. Other, yeah, other things that have happened. Not all of them because I think there's another goofy one that happened that was like in the uh, kids' line of uh, the Marvel books, but I'm not sure. 
I remember seeing it a while ago. It was called, I don't know, I'll have to look it up. Aside from the Secret Wars one. So, so yeah, there we're, we're, this has been a long one. We're, we're gonna, we're finally coming down to the end. So, again, we had put a call out and, you know, for looking for a few things that people might want to hear. And I, didn't we decide earlier? We think we kind of decided what we're going to do. Do we want to mention that yet or keep it a secret? I don't think this is, I, I, why, why would we ever have secrets from our, secrets from our loyal listeners? Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true freaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, I only had a chance to read half of it.